Oh my god, this is Frankie. And this is Jake, and you're listening to Fear the Talking Queers, Season 4. The New Blood. Yeah. <laughs> Next Generation. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Two minutes after Melissa Barrera confirmed Scream 6 was happening and her return to the franchise, I texted you right away and was like, this is happening. Oh my god, I know. It's so exciting. It's like our dreams are coming true. Our movies are back. And yes. The slasher's back. Yes. And then an hour later, I heard it announced on our local hip hop radio station, <laughs> 106.1 KMEL. And I was like, this is a big deal. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Like, this is national news. So in previous episodes, we talked about our hopes and wishes for Scream 5, and some of what we threw out there in the universe actually landed in the movie. So we have to talk about Scream 6, throw some ideas out there, and we'll see what they put in from Fear the Talking Queers. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, once they listen to our episode, which I know they will. uh, Hey, guys. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely need some inspiration. I mean, they start filming this summer. Oh, my God. Okay, well, we better hurry up and get our ideas together. Okay, here are things that I want. No Sydney or Gale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number, I mean, period. Absolutely. Like, I, we period. get it. We, we've we seen the, their journey. And at this point, come at movie five, they were just there for support. They were yes, survivors. To usher and, in the new cast. Yeah. yeah. And I think we got a nice conclusion to their, to their characters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are fans who believe Scream ends with Sidney Prescott, but we are forgetting that in the Scream universe, there is Stab, which has a life outside of Sydney. And now we have four survivors from the previous film to follow who have direct ties to the original characters. And that may even have something to do with the new killer's motive. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm really curious to see, like, what new motive they can, they can whip up. I mean, here's the thing. It's like Scream 1... You know, obviously had a really clear point of view, but Scream 2 was sort of just like an extension of that. You know, they weren't really introducing too many new ideas as far as like right. the motive goes. It was like purely revenge and, you know, there was like the sequel talk. But like, what do we do? Like the re- sequel to the requel now? Like that's... They're going to have to change it up. I'm, I'm hoping that they do. Like, I want them to change up the format a little bit. The yeah. format, the formula, shake shit up. Like, we know Radio Silence can make a solid Scream film. So now that right. that's out of the way, let's, like, not worry about serving the fans. and yeah. Because they're fans, too. So they should now have the freedom to make the franchise their own while still making it feel like Scream. Totally, yeah. We don't need as much fan service as we did in Scream 5. Like, we got all the goodies we needed. Now let's, like, take this story and make something new. Make something really great and exciting out of it with these new characters that have so much potential to lead us through how many more movies. 
Yeah, since Scream 2022 was so heavily inspired by 1996, maybe this one can take some reference from Scream 2. People right. love Scream 2, sometimes even more than Scream 1. Well, that's my, what I want to see. My, For me, the thing that I want to see the most is somewhere else other than Woodsboro. Yeah, let's ditch Woodsboro. Maybe they're in college, or maybe they're yeah. maybe they're stab movies on the big screen. Who yeah, knows? seriously, or maybe they're in Modesto. <laughs> maybe they're in Modesto, not too far. Um, okay, here's another thing I want. I want Jenna Ortega. So Melissa, Jasmine, and Mason are confirmed, but Jenna has yet to be signed on. I know she's busy, but I want her in this. I sort of want Tara to take center stage and fill Sydney's shoes, just because their trajectory is very similar but you know more so than sam's but sam i'm hoping that they take to the next level yeah i mean i don't know maybe maybe miss jenna's gonna be too busy and she'll only have a little bit of time to dedicate to this film you know she's in demand she is a rising it girl in hollywood that's true that's true how much time can she really dedicate maybe we'll have to focus on sam but before sam maybe Maybe I was thinking everybody's upset that Dewey's dead, but maybe Chad can become sort of like a dedication to the Dewey character. Like he can contribute the same lovable and quirky energy that Dewey once brought, but like sexier. Oh yeah, for sure. I know. And look, they have a similar story. They lost somebody very close to them. And maybe now they have that protective vibe. Um, I think that that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Give more Chad a little more, meat i would say yes yeah let's see his meat maybe yeah 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 (laughs) big long meat if we don't have gail maybe mindy can sort of become like a media powerhouse character like gail but with like the knowledge of randy still but like she can still be the voice of horror right the voice of our horror fans but because we've seen her embrace stab as part of like her family tree Maybe, like, Mindy's the one sensationalizing her experience now, having survived a chapter in the Stab Saga. Maybe she wrote the next book. Maybe she wrote the movie. Who knows? Yeah, or she... Yeah, who knows what she did. I think she has what it takes to kind of be that media presence in in this new universe, but then, like, still be be lovable. The lovable side of Gale. The things that we like about Gale. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think definitely Mindy has what it takes to take on that that thing the our liaison between the movie and the fans you know yes she 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 yeah she can continue that i love that um okay elephant in the room elephant in the room do you think and i've i'm only asking because people are still have this idea that she's going to come back but do you think they should try harder now to bring her back now that it's been confirmed Look, I, <laughs> no more pleading for Kirby to come back. Okay, yes. now hear me out. Kirby was great, but yes. Hayden has quit acting. Okay, so I think radio silence showing interest in the character enough to confirm she's alive, but Hayden still only contributing voiceover work in Scream 2022 and not actually reprising her role shows me that she has no interest. Yeah, like why wouldn't she come back for that why wouldn't they just bring her back already and if you guys didn't know that she provided like some one-liners she said for Wes like she's part of that group audio that you hear in the yeah. Scream 2022 movie so she actively participated but she not as Kirby so I don't think she has 
an interest in that. Would it be great if she came back? Of course. Do I think Radio Silence will ask her? Yes. But I'm gonna, like, let's stop begging for it. If all yeah. Hayden is gonna do is a one-line voiceover, then stop beating the dead horse. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like asking someone to be your friend when they don't even like you. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I literally was talking to somebody today, you know, very, of course, very great conversation about Scream. But they were like, they're like, I want it, I want her to come back and be the new final girl. I'm like, that's no, that's not gonna, that's I'm, not that's what would happen. Not she happen. would be the cotton weary of stabs of screen yes, six. Like she absolutely. would be in the opening kill. I could see her. You know what? In my mind, would be a good moment is if like, I don't know. Maybe there's some references to her throughout the film, and then in some sort of moment of action, she shows up with like a fucking shotgun and shoots the killer, and everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. And then she dies kind of a couple minutes later. Almost like, you know, like uh, (laughs) the the finale of Apocalypse, American Horror Story, where Angela Bassett came in real strong and then died in literally five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's how I see her coming back. I could see that. Or uh, that would probably be Hayden's like... I have to. Sure. I'll, I'll do sure. it, but I will I'm dedicate myself to ten minutes of screen days. time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Five days, ten minutes of screen time. Don't show me getting murdered, but kill me off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Sam, like, her truth is out. Okay, and spoiler yeah. alert. But now that she's embraced Billy Loomis as her dad, I think we need to rough her up, give her some edge, and definitely move past Billy. I want to see yeah. her take on her mother now. Okay, right? Oh my god. Yeah, I, I definitely. Like, the, I, Twitter has gone crazy over this. Like, who is Christina Carpenter? Who is this character? Who is going to play her? What fabulous Latina actress is going to, you know, take on this role? And if they, if she did, if some, if they do incorporate this character, which I feel like they have to. Yeah. They're, she's going to die. <laughs> she's going to die. And, you know, we know that she's an alcoholic. We also know that she was an AANA, but we also know that she has some sort of fabulous job. She has a really nice house and she had traveled to London to for London. her work. Yeah. So like, she's going to be partially glamorous, I hope. And I think that... <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like I want her to be like taking center stage and like the headlines is like Billy's baby mama. Like she's totally like something she was ashamed about that now people are like, oh my God, so interested in their story. Now she's like, who me? Like, oh, oh you want to hear from me? Oh, like yeah. she's like a fame whore? Yes. Ooh, that's kind of, that's crazy. That'll be interesting. I right? see her more as like a remorseful drunk. Like in a okay, business, that's in like probably a, what she'll in be in like a business <laughs> like suit, you know. Like yes. she's like a drunk that like obviously has a really high paying job, but she like spends just like a little too much time at happy hour, you know. Or she's like alcoholic, yeah, like a functioning alcoholic who disappoints her kids and then isn't able to protect them when they need it. Like she's, I feel like she's gonna have some like, but has like has some sort of redemption story where she like saves her kids and that with you know but gets stabbed at the last minute or something or yes. sacrifices exactly herself. maybe they make amends and then like she yeah. dies and it's tragic yeah, yeah. there's gonna be like a, a really big fight between them you're never there yes. for me you're a drunk you fucked a serial killer and then, <laughs> slap yeah yeah a slap oh, yeah a slap are you kidding me that's so fabulous yes right i am your mother regardless of the mistakes i've made yeah. <laughs> since when <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we can also meet Tara's dad. Like maybe Mr. Carpenter oh, can yeah. come in and serve as like a red herring. Or maybe he is puppeteering the new killing spree. 
Oh my god, their parents? Oh, that's so fucked. That would be fucked up. One of her, Tara's dad is the killer. Ooh. Revenge. He's like, you forgot about me. Nobody even mentioned yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Christina this, Christina that, Christina, <laughs> Christina, 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 Christina. No one even remembers her from the first movie because she wasn't in it. Who do you think should play Christina? Who are, throw some names out there because I've seen a few on <sighs> okay. Twitter that make me laugh. Rosario Dawson. One that you yeah. mentioned that was on Twitter was Eva Mendez, which I'm like, okay, I can. Eva, yeah, okay, Eva kind Mendez. Of I don't think she acts either. So yeah, anymore. what the hell's the last thing Eva Mendez has been in? Nothing. Okay, so what are some of the ones that you came across? <laughs> so one that made me laugh, and I was like, give me a break, is Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> no, next, right? No. Could you imagine Jennifer Lopez? She's in fabulous. The glamour, she's glamour, but that's not the right. I just honestly, I just choice. don't think she would ever do this movie. But she should because "Marry Me" doesn't look too promising. Marry me, <laughs> marry me, say yes. The soundtrack's kind of fire, though. If you want to give it a listen. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Eva Longoria. Yes, I've mentioned. seen a lot of Eva Longoria, and I'm about that. You know, she's you are? not. I can see that. She's not okay. much of a film act, like a film actress. I would usually equate her more right. to a tv actress and in film she's played mostly supporting like you know like the friend. like very minor characters yeah, yeah. i could see I her know. wanting to get like a little raw in this though oh yeah, yeah. I, I i'd be I down for that. that i would love that um what's a realistic choice oh miss um elizabeth rodriguez from orange is the new black and she was in the logan movie um fantastic actress uh, she seems like somebody that I could see actually playing this role. That I can totally see. I think it, she's age appropriate, yeah. but and still she could potentially still bring the glamour if that's the direction they choose to go. Yeah, of with course. her character, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think that she's probably the. I was like, oh yeah, that is a great choice, and she kind of looks like she could be related to both uh, Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera. So. Uh, somebody said Penelope Cruz. I was like, no, she's not absolutely show- not. She's not going to be in this movie. Selma Hayek. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I said Selma Hayek. She's you also not going to be in this movie, but. No. Gorgeous. Gorgeous, but not age appropriate if that if, you know, we're being honest. But Yeah. You know what? How about they introduce the idea of a cursed videotape? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's wow. never been done before. That would be. Oh my god, yeah. Let's just start incorporating the supernatural in the scream at this point. Like, now, if you watch Stab Nine, you'll <laughs> die in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that brings us to our movie this week. What a beautiful, smooth transition that was. <laughs> Yes, right. Did you like that segue? You almost didn't see it coming. I saw your face like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was I was sort of kidding. confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then we got there. We got there and I and now I'm back on board. Yes, this week we are doing the ring. Oh my god. Specifically two thousand two's The Ring. Starring yes. Miss Naomi Watts, of course. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um this is a, the movie that set off the Japanese horror remake craze of the early yes. 2000s this yes. one so set the, it the fuck off the grudge one missed call pole stark water oh and then there was shutter that was a thai horror remake but in the american version they ditched thailand for japan <laughs> which is <laughs> like okay oh my god what that is but sure the ring is a remake of the 1998 movie ring you directed by hideo nakata who would go on to direct the american sequel called the ring 2 spelled out um <laughs> yeah, T W O. 
To this day, Ringyu is the highest grossing Japanese horror film ever. That is crazy. And those movies are actually based on a series of books that came out before. So this story has been going on and on and on. It has, like like the story in the ring, has, uh, you know... A bit, life. Uh, yeah, well, it's had a lot of mediums. It's shown up in books, yes. movies, Japanese movies, American movies. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very appropriate. The books um, were written by Koji Suzuki. I don't mm-hmm. think we're ever going to say his name again, so it's just important to know. Written yeah. in 1991, Ring You in 1998 was the second adaptation of the source material. The first being Japan's 1999, 1995 made for TV movie called Ring You Kanzenban. <laughs> I don't <laughs> of know. Course. I probably butchered that right, of course. And later there would be another adaption called the ring virus which was released in korea the in ring virus oh god the I, ring virus i thought that cleared up <laughs> <laughs> is there a cream for that um <laughs> is there an anal option <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then when by the time we get to our film right now 2002 this was the fourth ring movie that had come out wow yeah so it was about time that it crossed you know the waters over here to the U.S. and this movie um, was brought to director Gore Verbinski, who uh, he was he was just given the tape, and he he watched it and he's like, "Wow, this is like really sort of avant garde." He said it was like pulpy, but also um, really artsy, and so he was like just really inspired by this little movie, and uh, that was what set it off, and that's how this movie started to get uh, made. Yeah, that's crazy. And it will be celebrating its 20th anniversary this October. Can you believe that? This movie... That this movie came out 20 years ago. ...is 20 years old. That blows my motherfucking mind. I remember watching this in theaters, much like I said about most of our movies, but still. Like, (laughs) this one really freaks me out. Because there's something... And and, you know what's really funny about it? um, Is that this movie is kind of a dated concept when you when you think about it and i read this article which totally. had this hilarious um blip about it about why this movie sounds like from a time before and it, this is how they describe the movie after finding a vhs tape and receiving a phone call a local newspaper reporter searches library archives to solve a mystery <laughs> 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 like, it's, like <laughs> it's very dated times have changed yes the concept is incredibly dated however there is something about this movie that has transcended into our current generation because it yeah. sort of has has stayed true to this like spreading of information and how social media and meme culture has oh yeah has progressed um, it's still absolutely relevant. So even though maybe the, the like the basics or like you know the bare bones of this movie are dated, right. there's still <laughs> there's still something about it that is still so relevant today, twenty years later. This is such a relic of its time, and I'm so excited to dive into it. So should we just get into it? Let's. All right, get your cock rings on because this is the ring. <laughs> This is The Ring. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. Someone knows you've watched it, and what they say is, 
you will die in seven days. And exactly seven days later. The Ring, released in 2002, written by Aaron Kruger. Bitch, the writer of Scream 3. Learned from his mistakes. <laughs> Directed by Gore Verbinski. Our movie begins with Katie, played by Amber Tamblin, and her friend Becca, played by Pamela Anderson. Oh, wait, no, wrong movie. <laughs> Katie and Becca, played by Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> No, that's not true. Her friend Becca is played by Rachel Bella. They are discussing magnetic waves traveling through the air from TV and phones, and electro rays are traveling through our brain being manipulated by television. This prompts Becca to bring up the subject of a supposedly cursed videotape full of scary images and the mysterious woman. Anyone who watches this video receives a phone call in which a voice says, You will die in seven days. Then, exactly seven days later, the viewer dies. Katie reveals in horror that she had watched that video at a cabin last weekend with her boyfriend Josh and some other friends exactly seven days earlier. Katie begins to choke and Becca becomes frantic, but it's a joke and Katie begins to laugh, only to be interrupted by a ringing phone. Katie becomes terrified of the ringing phone, which confirms the tape is real. The phone calls Katie's mother and she talks to her as Becca travels to a different room. Katie becomes unsettled as doors and cabinets begin opening on their own and her TV keeps turning on by itself. She rushes back upstairs and finds water leaking out of her room into the hallway. When she opens her bedroom door, her TV flashes a series of scary images as Katie's face distorts in horror. We are then introduced to Katie's aunt, Rachel, played by Naomi Watts, a journalist living in Seattle. Her son Aiden, played by David Dorfman, has become disturbed since losing his cousin. Aiden's teacher brings to Rachel's attention that he had been drawing pictures of his cousin dead in the ground for days before Katie actually died. Wow! Okay, here we go. I would say that this is a pretty iconic opening. Absolutely. I mean, I think once you're parodied in Scary Movie, like, you've gone down in, like, history icon status. Yeah, yeah totally. oh my gosh. This was famously... Is it famously? I don't know. But it was definitely parodied in Scary Movie 3. And um, it's hilarious. I, <laughs> there's no way around it's it. It's so funny. It's but so- yes, this opening is great. And the first thing I think about when they're discussing... Um, well, first, when they're like talking about the electro rays and stuff, I'm like, this is a commentary on media, but it's actually not. But then also I'm thinking <laughs> of like taking chain letters and like turning it into a creepy real life urban legend oh right exactly well yeah so we're already getting some like you know spread of information we're getting that urban legend sort of thing with becca telling katie the story and you know then that you know obviously she'll probably tell that story so we're already getting like the spread of information right like that's sort of like the central theme of this movie is like yeah it's like the widespread of information and how fast yeah. it can spread, how, not how fast it can spread, but just, you know, getting the message out there. And um, so, yeah, we do see that starting now. I do, I have read that the original idea of the book, the 1991 novel, The Ring, was a comment on the fear of advancing technology and what it takes away from humans. Hmm. That, I don't think that translates. Yeah, I don't know if that is the theme here. 
And I think Gore Verbinski also says that it's not the theme here. He, his, his viewpoint on this particular film was about the spreading of like information and the dangers of curiosity and how curiosity has a very um, I don't know, strong and could potentially evil <laughs> outcome, you know? Yeah. I think that this was really scary for its time as well because the internet was so still like a new concept yeah. that like there were these deep dark parts of the internet that you know maybe you hadn't explored yet and so knowing that there was potentially some kind of video of some sort out there whether it be on a VHS or some other form of media that could potentially kill you because yeah. of that like being so accessible it is kind of um scary like no. I didn't even want to watch the tape when they show it in this movie <laughs> Oh, I know. It's like, what? You know what? There's actually, um, I think, uh, a VHS version of it when it came out, when of the film, of the film The Ring. Uh, maybe it was like a UK box or something like that, but it literally had a disclaimer on it saying, like, we are not responsible for any injuries or fatalities that may occur from watching this movie because people were, like, actually scared to watch this videotape. Uh, or at least oh my god like the cursed video part of it like they're like i'm actually yeah. gonna die and you know there's a it's whole phenomenon going around once this movie came out of people prank calling their friends and going ring ring <laughs> hello seven days and like oh my god stop <laughs> you're scaring me like so okay katie's death is slightly different than the one that we see later on i know yeah because at this point Samara is still trapped in the well, right? So, like, what do you think happened here? I don't know. I've always wondered. First of all, okay. <laughs> this this moment where, you know, Becca miraculously decides to bring up this evil videotape. She's like, hey, ever heard about this tape? And, and Katie's like, wait, what? What? And she, like, fakes this whole, like, moment. Choking. This whole choking moment where she's dying. And I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. Knowing what I know now, yeah. she has actually watched this videotape and it, it has been seven days why is she not more concerned about her life i don't think she's taking it seriously but but how? at the same time everyone else that watches the movie has these horrifying things well, happen exactly to them. and then we come to find out in this same section that aiden was to- she was telling him that she doesn't think she's gonna live very long so why is she so light-hearted in right. this scene with Becca, that's what i'm saying. Is what saying that is so yeah. weird i'm like why in in rachel as we go through it's like i think katie was having these visions too of all these crazy things so i'm like what why is she having the sleepover and with no cares oh maybe she doesn't want to be alone and is trying to play it off that maybe could... oh, maybe i'm like or maybe she's just conceded to her fate she's like whatever i'm just gonna have a fucking sleepover and die like <laughs> that is an interesting thought as a matter of fact do you think that's possible that she's just like uh well there's no no escaping yeah she's like chewing her nails yeah i don't know. yeah exactly they're like watching tv huh. while you know rachel's over here fighting for a it- goddamn life you know, <laughs> falling into wells, watching people electrocute themselves. Like, <laughs> it does sort of seem like <laughs> it does sort of seem like they wrote it without the intention that she knew she was going through this already. Yes, exactly. Rachel finds shit in her room with like like 
the faces scratched out in the magazines. That's like, right. Like yes. th- things are happening. They totally and- disregarded that. <laughs> yes, they did. And they said she is completely aloof to the situation as if she has no idea. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, anyway, okay. So yeah. we can move on from that, I guess. It okay. Is, well, it- she she dies and there's this very popular fan theory that I've seen on three websites now. Um and we'll find out, you know, we'll talk later about how Samara mentally projects these images. So, in Katie and her friends' cases, the fan theory explains that Samara mentally projects all of the tape's images all at once in your head, which causes a mental overload that literally explodes your brain. Whoa, that's interesting, though. But they, uh, I don't know, because doesn't the autopsy report that her mom say, says her heart stopped? I know. I'm like, did they look at the brain? Because that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. But it exploded. <laughs> but yeah. yes, that this would cause <laughs> your heart, heart to stopped. stop. Oh, obviously. Her, her brain exploded too. <laughs> but like, don't worry about that. That's normal. But also, they were saying that that's why they have the appearance of being dried out. But I'm like, I don't think so. I think they're supposed to look like they've been rotting in water. Yeah. That's a dumb theory. <laughs> that's a dumb theory, right? Yeah. Boo, maybe next. like maybe maybe the mentally projection of all the images at once maybe but maybe it was so overwhelming that your heart just stops maybe oh. maybe that okay sure you know okay what I, mean? I do like that part of it but I but I always thought that the fear caused a heart attack and the body was just supposed to appear drowned and yeah the disfigured faces what... for drama but <laughs> yes. internet sleuth yes yes no yeah that uh, that's how I always saw it. Like they were just like, scared <laughs> to death, or they just die. She just says, "You're yeah. dead. You're dead, and you're wet. <laughs> Goodbye. My my job Speak- here is done." Speaking of Katie, just like how you were saying that they like, you know, she's they're not acknowledging that she's gonna die. But in this next scene, when we're introduced to Rachel and Aiden, it's through his school. You know, the teacher's concerned, Miss Brenda. Oh yeah, um, she's concerned that. <laughs> he's been drawing these disturbing images and when she shows Rachel the pictures she goes this is Katie <laughs> like how do you know that that's her yeah yeah that's her that's she's Katie all, oh my god this it's is a Katie. stick figure <laughs> it's a stick figure it's like not another buried teen. in some it's sort like, of circle it's like not another teen movie when she's painting the stick figure and he's she's like he's like she's beautiful or whatever she's like it was my mother and he goes you have her eyes or something like that it's like a little <laughs> yeah so yes dumb. yes it is like that or it's like when that that leprechaun went to that town and they saw him in the tree like oh, this yeah. is a sketch of how the leprechaun yes. appeared <laughs> so dumb I always think of Scary Movie 3 with this part too when she's like what was the assignment draw your family and friends <laughs> <laughs> hey that was a really good voice inflection for Miss Regina Hall. What are you talking about? <laughs> She's here. Regina, welcome oh, to the show. Oh, Regina! <laughs> yeah. hey yes, <laughs> thank you for uh, showing up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this teacher unfortunately has a much smaller role in this movie. Um, <laughs> and there are no kids in the class because she's picking her kid up hella fucking late. And <laughs> Do you know I think she's a workaholic. And be- Okay, okay, yes. okay. Here's something I thought about while I was um, high watching this. I was like, yeah. you know what would have been cool since Aaron Kruger is the writer of this? I was like, what if this was a Gale Weathers spinoff? Stop. Wouldn't that, if like... This, this is Gale? She's kind of, <laughs> she's kind of like Gale. She's a reporter. She's kind of, she's kind she's of a little bitchy. She's kind of, yeah, she's kind of a hard ass. She, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, what if, I mean, obviously there are some character differences, but 
what if slightly what if they had made like this movie to be like a gail weather spinoff where she imagine ah miss courtney cox in this role yeah when that when her boss comes you're fired. No, yeah, I'm not. Exactly. It's, no, I'm not. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It's like those moments. And I'm like, oh, yes, this would have been. Gail Weathers. Yeah, that would have been great. Aaron, you fucked up. Gail Weathers, author of the Curse of Videotape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the adventures of Gail Weathers. Like, give her more. <laughs> yeah. Give her her own movie. <laughs> Where in the world is Gail Weathers? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, like Gail Weathers in the case of the cursed video. Let me tell you what I was distracted by in this scene. I was wondering what happened to this little actor, David Dorfman. Oh my god, I don't. I, I looked him up and he stopped acting a long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah. Yes, come to find out he went to UCLA, then at Harvard. 13 years old, and then graduated at 18 as valedictorian, went straight to Harvard Law, and he's now the legal counsel of the U.S. House of Representatives. Like, what the hell? Like... How did you go from being Jedediah in <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 to literally being one of this nation's leaders? Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's not far from his character. His character is so, uh, like, emotionless. This kid is very strange and weird. Very strange. I'd be really disappointed if my kid was this boring. I was like, ugh. <laughs> I didn't have, like, a kid with a fun personality. I have a kid who calls me by my first name. <laughs> Boo. Can I send him back? Was that, is, that, is that her American Horror Story Apocalypse? And she goes, um, if my kid's not cool or pretty, how will I love it? <laughs> yes. Wait, who says that? Oh, Madison. Madison. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Because he is so stoic. And then he doesn't even call her mom. He calls her Rachel. When I was younger and I would watch this, I didn't even understand that they were mother and son. Yeah. Hi, Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Hi, Rachel. Like, oh, <laughs> oh <weird."> my God. <laughs> but I mean, maybe she, I mean, she's obviously like cool with it. I don't know if she's ever meant to, I don't think she has like natural maternal instincts. And that might be like kind of judgy. She's so work focused. She's work focused, but I think her kid acts yeah. so much like an adult that she treats him like an adult. Yeah. She's like, whatever. Yeah. Like, where's your kid at home? Yeah. Making himself dinner, I'm sure. Yeah, probably making me <laughs> dinner. <laughs> How old is he? Seven. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah. Should we learn more about what Aiden and Rachel are all about in this next section? Yes, let's do it. At home, we discover Aiden and Rachel have a strained relationship because of her demanding work schedule, and Aiden calls his mother by her first name. He reveals to Rachel that one night while Katie was babysitting him, she told him she was going to die. At Katie's house after her funeral, Rachel's sister is in shambles, dumbfounded how doctors don't know what happened to Katie other than her... S- her soul being sucked out of her yeah. body. Her brain exploded. <laughs> Doctors don't know what happened to Katie other than her heart suddenly stopping. She asks Rachel to investigate her daughter's death as she is an investigative reporter. Yes. Top story. Yeah. With Rachel Watts. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel. Does she have a last name? Keller? Did I make that up? Rachel Keller. No, I think that I think you're right. But then I was like, am I thinking of Monica Geller? <laughs> oh my God. Am I thinking of Sarah Michelle Geller? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Michelle Keller? Or am I thinking of Helen Keller? <laughs> Helen Michelle Keller. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, <laughs> oh god okay. <laughs> Outside, Rachel finds out from Katie's friends that Becca has since been put into a mental hospital, traumatized from Katie's death. 
Rachel probes, asking if she thinks that they were on drugs, but one boy, played by Adam Brody, in a, in a nameless role, suggests the tape is responsible for Katie's death. He explains the tape to Rachel. After the friends accidentally reveal Katie had a boyfriend, the boy says Josh is also dead, supposedly having killed himself in the same night Katie died. Aiden has psychic visions, retracing Katie's steps the night she died. He follows his intuition into her room, drawn to the television. Rachel looks around the room, finding a receipt for photo processing. Rachel goes into the photo store to pick up Katie's pictures. The photos are from Josh and Katie's cabin trip. As she searches through the photos, she finds that the last photo from the end of their trip displays the friends with warped faces. Rachel researches Josh's death, finding he fell from a high-rise. She also finds that the other friends from the cabin died in a car accident. The strangest part is, not only did all four teens die on the same day, but also the exact same time. Ooh. It's 10 okay. o'clock on the dot, I'm in the drop top. Who's in the streets? <laughs> Dying in the streets. Okay. Oh my god, I love that in this you can actually see what came of Katie's dead body. Oh, and it is scary. This is the scariest jump scare in the whole movie. It is so scary. Yes. It like that tongue that, all black, all oh, rotted. Yeah. Her jaw all to the side, her head all oh. her neck like I don't know, can't Twisted. even su- support her head anymore. Just like falls, like oh, it's so. It and, rolls like, across the room. Yeah, and it's so unexpected because you're like <laughs> in this moment where you know we're at this funeral or the, sorry, I guess whatever's happening after the funeral. What do you call that? The party. <laughs> <laughs> the party. The party. <laughs> The funeral party. Yeah, the funeral <laughs> party. It's kind of like a quiet, emotional moment. And then all of a sudden, this jump scare happens literally right in the middle of it. Was yeah. ah! This noise happens. <laughs> yeah. And the door opens. Yes. And you just see this, like, just ma- mangled girl in the closet. It's it's horrifying. And then that shit used to scare me. Like, of all the, the images in this movie, that one really got me as a kid. Yeah. It, it, it's really scary like you kind of see her face sort of transition into this when you know yeah. her death scene but once you see this and the way she's all curled up in the corner who put her like yeah, that yeah who put her did like Samara like she's like come here bitch and like dragged her in there <laughs> like what I, I don't know I don't know how that's this, a little strange how she the got in there did she run but we saw her face get all gross before I don't know. There's something they're not telling us. It seems like Samara does like to, you know, prop her victims in certain ways. We see it later in the movie too with, uh, you know. Oh, she does. She, the yeah, chair. She, yep. Yeah. She likes to, she likes to have a little display. She likes to show. Yeah. yeah. So this is an eerie setting. Like Seattle oh, during yeah. rainy season, like totally. doom and gloom. Oh, so yeah. The, Seattle is like so cold and dreary in this movie it's like and there's like this permanent green filter <laughs> over this film yeah which honestly i really like i think it really gives this like sense of cold dread ambiance you know and yes, one of, one of the things settling yeah and one of the things that gore verbinski did say was that he um he purposely gave this movie almost like a minimalist and like clinical feel like that, mm-hmm. it, that it's that almost feels like it's like devoid of any sort of warmth, warmth. at all. Yeah, you know, it's depressive. Yeah. And the things that are red 
are the images that are in reality that are from the videotape. Right, exactly. You know, we get these flashes of red every now and then, but it's literally just to highlight something that we've seen in the cursed videotape. So right. He, his work with color is very, is very cool. Yeah, totally, totally. I love it. I love it because, yeah, we only get like hints of color every now and then. And um, I think that they really... Uh, give a sense of foreboding and you know something yeah. something evil is coming or you know when there's red on the screen you know shit's going down and clinical that makes sense too because it almost looks like a hospital like yeah. constantly yeah and it, it like i know that he also said that he lit them in a way that prevented the actors from casting shadows so that the characters feel like ghostly but Ooh. also like in in a well-lit hospital like not one from in woodsboro but like a real hospital <laughs> there are there is light coming from every direction so yeah. in a hospital setting you don't really ever see shadows that is when true you really think about it i never thought about that but that is absolutely it's so true well lit. yeah and he said there's a lot you know there's a purposeful minimalism about it and that he liked to shoot things in like kind of tableau settings or you know he's not not a lot of movement um i don't know i i I think this was shot expertly you know i think that he really outdid himself with how this how this movie came together especially when we see you know the the follow-up movies and how they sort of took a cheaper turn as you go along as all these all movies do you know after the big first great one um, I think there's like so much care and effort put into this one that um, it just really stands out. So I think that there's a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah, I definitely think this is one of the best movies of this entire franchise, both oh, yeah. internationally and domestic. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I was like, there's some really great like acting moments here. I thought that was really there's a lot of sadness, especially surrounding her death, like seeing like. Katie's dad that moment is like really sad and I don't know there's some there's some good moments here this almost feels like the sixth sense um yeah absolutely Misha Barton's funeral whatever that's exactly what I wrote I said this is very sixth sense like obviously yeah. a, a very inspirational movie like such a big deal for the time such a big deal you know and yeah. that, mo- that movie so only it- came out three years earlier you can definitely see its its influence here, especially when we get to like Aiden, who obviously is sort of like a the way they developed this character for this version. It's very um, Haley Joel Osment in the sixth sense, like totally a very intellectual kid who can really help himself, and the mother son dynamic here is yeah. also very much that. And so, but the psychic thing, what an interesting concept. Because at first, I think this is the first time I realized watching this, that it's not Aiden who's psychic. It's sort of the effect that the yeah. tape has on everybody who knows about it. Yeah, everybody starts sort of having these psychic visions. Yeah, because Becca and Aiden... That's are, the weird one to me. At, at this point are like the people who were around Katie after she had watched the video and she told them about the video. So it's like they're one step closer Mm. to having watched it without actually having watched it. So they're getting their, it's like Samara's imprint is on their brain as well. Not as strong yet because they haven't watched the tape, but it's like there because they know about it. I don't know. Miss Becca, she seems to like have turned into some sort of psychic medium She's a like witch or something. She, yeah, she's yeah. like yeah, she's like fucking <laughs> like reading her palm and she's like bird games. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Madam Becca? Where'd you come from? Yeah, Madam Becca. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's strange. And at first you're like, is he a psychic? Or is he just very intuitive? Or he comes here all the time, so maybe he's just walking up there. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, that's why I was like, is he psychic? Yeah, or is he just, I mean, is there a psychic pull up there? Or is Aiden just finding comfort in his cousin's room that he was really close to i don't know i was like if somebody would like wandered through my things as a teenager because you know there's that scene of like rachel kind of looking through her things look at her pictures i was like oh god i'd be so embarrassed what a violation i was like it's like if they went through my shit as a teenager they would just find every magazine with sarah michelle geller on the cover (laughs) they would lift up my laptop on my screen and it would be (laughs) bigdicks.com yeah celebrity peen (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then that that website that used to have like remember those that like which backstreet boy is gay and like oh, what? Papa Smurf, can I lick that ass? Yeah, lick that ass, bitch. Remember that? What is that? <laughs> Never mind. I don't I don't think I know that. I mean maybe I do. <laughs> there was like this website and it was like the first like it was like a raunchy teen website. Was it E Bombs World? Was it? E Bombs World? Is that what it was called? And then there was one with the Smurfs and it was Smurfette talking to Papa Smurf. So, Papa Smurf, can I lick your ass? Yeah, lick this ass, bitch. <laughs> no? Okay, I'm gonna look up that one. Papa Smurf lick that ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm typing this. Yeah, lick that ass, bitch. Yeah, E-Bombs World. Oh, it is? Yeah. Does that still exist? I don't know. Yeah, so that would be on my computer. That and bigdicks.com. <laughs> That's hilarious. And maybe an aim chat to some guy <laughs> who was some old, guy. older than me thinking he was talking to a girl. Fly Miami, bro, <laughs> or whatever. But, yeah, that was my life. Okay, <laughs> okay. I have a question, and yeah. you have to be totally honest with me. Okay. Uh, my Instagram, all of my pictures are filtered through Facetune. I just, filtered. I heavily Facetuned. Not really filtered, but heavily Facetuned. Don't lie. Do I look like the kids in this in these photos? <laughs> <laughs> Post Facetune with a warped face. <laughs> With their fucking, yeah, their fucking smudged faces. <laughs> the everything behind me is all warped. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to make me skinnier. Yeah, exactly. After I uh, pinch it in, in Facetune. Yes, you do. Your nose is all in a swirl. And... Yeah. Oh my god. Um. So so Rachel. She here. She, oh, here we go. She's she's getting into journalism mode. So then she goes out there and she starts acting like one of the cool kids. That part always cracks me up. Oh yeah, smoking a cigarette. Yeah, smoking a cigarette with the teens and she's like, oh, me and my girlfriend used to get high in our room. Like, oh my God, shut up, you old lady. Yeah. <laughs> Beat it, hag. <laughs> Beat it, grandma. Why are you talking to us? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have a fucking uh, cameo, I guess, by Adam Brody. Bitch, he stays in these no recognition, creditless weird, weird names. Weird roles. Yeah, what a weird, <laughs> what a weird career that man has had. But yes, she talks to these kids, and they're like trying to still keep the fact that Josh and Katie were a romantic item. Like, like, shh, it's a secret. It's like they're both dead. Yeah, who cares? You think she's gonna care yeah. now? Yeah. Oh, she's in trouble now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're grounded, young lady. Six feet under. Oh, oh. oh literally grounded. Literally grounded. <laughs> In the grounded. Shall we move on? Hell yeah. Rachel's investigation leads her to the cabin rentals where Katie and her friends had watched the tape. Rachel rents the same cabin Katie was in and finds the mystery tape. She watches the tape, which displays random, ominous, and disturbing images. Frequently, we see a woman looking into the camera and a weird image of a ring of light. Suddenly, the cabin phone rings. Rachel answers, and the voice of a young girl says, Seven days. Oh my god. Oh my god. Thursday, day one. Rachel tells Aiden's dad, Noah, played by Martin Henderson, about the tape. She discovers that when she takes pictures of herself now, her face is warped. Noah insists she show him the videotape. He watches it, but thinks it's just an experimental student film. Suddenly, the phone rings, but Rachel doesn't answer, knowing it is the seven-day warning. Noah asks her to make a copy of the tape for him so he can further look into where the tape came from. Friday, day two. That's today. Oh, it's Friday, Friday. We're all gonna die on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Noah discovers that the tape has no control track, meaning the tape shouldn't have any images on it. They find that a scene on the tape which displays a mirror shows no reflection of a camera. It is also discovered that some of the frames can be expanded, showing even more of the images. Their investigation is interrupted by Noah's girlfriend slash assistant, which causes tension between Rachel and Noah. She leaves his apartment, and as she walks out, she notices a red ladder leaned up against the side of a building, which eerily resembles one of the tape's images. Oh, okay, okay. Something that starts in this scene is showing real-time images of the scenes in the tape, and it starts with this Japanese maple tree, which casts a red, beautiful, stunning red light on the scene where Rachel's in the cabin watching the uh, VHS. (laughs) First of all, she gets to this cabin, and this cabin looks like fucking a witch's cottage. Looks like fucking, or like our Hansel and Gretel in here. Like I know, I'm like, they thought this was a weekend getaway? <laughs> yeah, so as like, if. <laughs> but this beautiful red light that like cascades, cascades through it. It, um, it just like brings like that that foreboding evil presence and like, you know, blood red. Yes. Blood red onto the cold screen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love it. Did I you know that the fruit of the Japanese maple tree is called a Samara? You call me a fruit? What'd you say? <laughs> fruit. It is? Fruit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Anyway, yeah. So this <laughs> is the part where we see the tape. I never watched this scene because I was one of those people that thought that this could potentially be real. Oh and God, I would c- just avoid it just cursed. in case. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. You seem so rational. I'm so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> the images on this tape are inspired by a realist painter, Andrew Wyeth, who is known as one of the greatest painters of the 20th century for his landscape paintings. And there are some that he did in black and white that look very similar to this videotape. Yeah, and there these images are pretty disturbing. I mean, we have like a sea of people and mud. We have dying horses some suicide we have a bitch brushing her hair really disturbing things yeah split ends yeah very scary (laughs) it and it is like like how we're talking about the internet like e-bombs world it does seem like something that 
may have been floating around somewhere, maybe on a VHS, maybe on the internet, where, you know, people were just doing experimental things. And this oh, does yeah. sort of feel like maybe some student film where sure. they play with shapes and just, you know. Yeah, and but, I feel like um, like conspiracy theories were also, like, I feel like they were... Still. Yeah, I think we have now <laughs> know that, like, not to trust the internet or trust... I mean, I'm, I'm equating this to the internet, even though it's an evil VHS tape, but just, like the spread of information like that i think we're a little more savvy exactly. about what to believe and what not to because you know like you think about just a couple years before this like people believed that the blair witch was real you know so oh yeah so like we exactly. were still a li- we we're just a little less savvy about how information was spread we're like is this real is it not and we didn't have as many resources like the internet which we did have the internet at this point but you know was the search engines and stuff like that were um weren't as capable to like prove that some things weren't real you know she was yeah. she was able to wikipedia this vhs tape to find out all the information fact or fiction yeah <laughs> <laughs> she was able to listen to 20 podcasts about <laughs> about the story just so she runs to her baby daddy noah played by martin henderson all i could think was that a he's really hot and B, he's no longer hot. <laughs> <laughs> and C, is that Luke Wilson as Billy Lewis? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he is going to be in the movie X. And up until I started researching Martin Henderson, I didn't realize that Luke Wilson wasn't in the movie X. <laughs> <laughs> you thought that was him? <laughs> I thought that was Luke Wilson. I was like, wow, he looks old. But it's Martin Henderson, and I'm still like, wow, he looks old. Oh my god, he was, <laughs> he's aged 20 years, you know. So? <laughs> so have I, and I still look just as good as when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, um, I like Martin Henderson in this part. I think he's like... I do too. He like embodies that like grungy Seattle thing well, with his like flannels and his fucking flip-flops. A nod to the crispy Seattle weather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, but- he said that filming this movie was super awkward. That he and Naomi would laugh in between takes and like were embarrassed by their scenes. And they're like, "I hope that this ends up being scary." <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope anybody watches this. I know they probably thought it was so stupid. They're like, "Oh my god, not a killer VHS tape." Like, what are we doing? Well, I think about that sometimes. Like, when, especially with the movies that we watch, of course, especially for this podcast, (laughs) when they're like, uh, you know, when they're describing like the mythos behind like what's happening. And I'm like, this is so ridiculous, but they make it so scary in the movie. But when you actually are thinking about it, being there delivering these lines. Oh, I'm sure it feels so stupid. Like, feels so stupid. One of the things I thought was interesting about. Uh, Martin and Naomi was that they were cast because they were like relatively unknowns and Gore Verbinski didn't really want to uh, you know cast a big name because you know who was originally offered the role of Rachel? Who? Jennifer Love Huge Tits. Oh my god. (laughs) She was? Yes she was originally offered the role of Rachel but they decided against her. I think that would have changed this movie. You think so? Maybe. Yes. It, not that it would cheapen it or anything, but it would just make it different. It, it would be like Sarah Michelle Gellar being in this. Yeah. Like, it would be more like The Grudge instead of being less... I guess you're saying exactly that's what yes, he did. Yes, exactly. They didn't want the movie to have mainstream distraction. They wanted... A, and at this time, Naomi Watts, I mean, 
at this point, I think she had done Mulholland Drive, Drive, and that was her her big sort of breakthrough. So she was still, but other than that, she didn't have many other things under her belt just yet. Wow, I don't, I don't think of her that way. Yeah, That's so weird. I know. I for me, I'm like, oh my god, Naomi Watts. Yeah, she's a huge A list star, but I guess at this point, she wasn't. And I've always thought of her when I, whenever I think of Naomi Watts, you know, she's done a million things. But I always think of her from this movie. I'm like, she's in the ring. <laughs> Speaking of Mulholland Drive, <laughs> David Lynch almost directed this movie. Oh my gosh, imagine how that this movie would have been <laughs> absolutely something else. Yeah, we would have, we would still, nobody would have any idea still what <laughs> happens in this movie. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love David Lynch. I'm a huge David Lynch fan. But I mean, we would be like deeply, di- deeply dissecting what's happening here if that was the case. What do you think is the importance of the warped faces in the photos? I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out too. I'm- it's weird. I'm trying. I try to figure it out. I'm like, maybe it's supposed to resemble their faces in death, but I'm like, that's not. That doesn't even remotely look how they looked. <laughs> Die- no. Dying. I mean, it just must be just a sign that you are cursed. I'm asking for too much. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> There's this moment where Noah is watching the tape, and Rachel steps outside, and she's on her balcony staring yeah. out at the neighboring apartments and she sees that everyone in every apartment is watching TV. And so that definitely, now that you're telling me that Gord Verbinski's, I guess, motive was that the way that the information spreads is really what this this movie is about. And I'm like, okay, now I can see this. Because at first I was like, why? What does this mean? But yes, that totally Of course, It's, it's like everybody has a TV everybody has access to this you know and so each one of these people have the potential of you know being cursed you know and we're constantly being inundated with television and who knows how it could be broadcast to even more people and so yeah definitely i think seeing that every person here is watching something different um i think that is sort porn. of yeah i think i saw porn in there oh my god apparently one which I on the I think the IMDb trivia says that one of them is watching Ringu, but I don't know if that's true. No, that I'm like can't be true. there's like one where there's like a Japanese girl, but it looks like she she's like in a like a gum commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's Ringu. I was like, no, it's not. Why did they not tell us from the jump that Noah? And, there's this weird moment where Noah passes Aiden on the street. Yeah, and they look at each other. I'm like, what? I kind of like it. I kind of like that that it builds like a weird a story like a story for their characters like they're like the fact that they like run into each other on the street and this father and this son who we don't know that they're father and son at this point look at each other and just keep walking like they have zero relationship with each other which is so bizarre they kind of draw out this relationship between uh, Aiden and Noah like we don't find out later that he's his father until Aiden watches the the tape and yes. I kind of like that that it's like a reveal I feel like I or kind of assumed but wow okay I thought of this completely differently this is where we're gonna fight oh because I was like why is this a reveal I know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessary for matter? a reveal, but it's kind of like... And to, like, re- release that information, like, an hour into the movie, the movie's halfway over, I'm like, honestly, I just want to get through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just speed it up. It's bizarre. It's kind of a weird way to add depth to their characters. Well, it definitely gives them more agency. 
I mean, we haven't got there yet. Obviously, we will. But I feel like once Aiden watches the tape, that's when I feel like this movie puts the foot on the pedal. Yeah, you're right. You know? And I guess having this family dynamic sort of... They they could almost be like a reflection of the family, you know, that this is all centering around. The yeah. Tape, you know, Samara and her family. Especially because there's this thing with, like, parents to the child yeah and the damage that parents can do to a child but also the damage that a child can do to the parents yeah exactly so yeah i guess there's that sort of dynamic yeah especially but- because like we see that like between the morgans and samara like there's no they're unable to relate to each other they're not able to connect with each other and that sort of does mirror the way that yeah that rachel and noah are with aiden because he's so Icy, and you know, Noah doesn't even have a relationship with him at all because he's like, I'm not gonna be a good dad. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, I so I, yeah, I think there is an, a parallel here that we're seeing, but it, I guess I, we answered my own question. I was like, oh, that's why, yeah, I mean, I, but I don't think it needed to be something explained, sure, when we're almost to the end. I thought this could have been, sure, dealt with here, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it almost feels like, were we supposed to know that? <laughs> Did I miss the part where we found Not out? Not really. <laughs> yeah, it but sort it... of seems like, like you can cut, like they have that interaction on the street, like that brief little looking at each other. And then when they're in the apartment, the girlfriend comes and she sort of causes some tension between, you know, and yeah. Katie, or not Katie, Rachel starts acting weird. And, you know, then we can tell like, okay, they probably had a romance. Aiden is probably his son. So why not just explain that then you're you showed us everything like why not just tell us now i'm just concerned for the boy now i don't really like now you've taken away from the shock that he's watched it and you've turned it into like oh i see i see what you're our saying our story is keeps unfolding it's <laughs> yeah. like no let's actually get to the conclusion oh yeah no that <laughs> is true that is true yeah i guess it does kind of like distract from what just happened just establish it first and then let us be you know shocked later i don't know it it is an interesting way to tell the story but i don't hate it it's fine for me knowing what i know now um Mm -hmm. rachel pretty safe much saved herself pretty early in the movie by making the copy of this of this tape yes little does she know this is actually saving the day yeah but But, uh, it's so weird that even though she's has made a copy of it. She still is going through all the psychic visions and the, and the, you know, trauma, like yeah. all the things that happen to you. She just doesn't do the dying part. <laughs> and see, that's what I'm thinking is happening to even Becca and Aiden. Like at this point, like we said, they haven't watched the tape, but they're just, they're within the ring sure. of Samara's world. So now they're like affected by it. Even if they're cleared. Yeah they're still going to be seeing these images and things like that. But as far as Rachel's concerned, if she knew what you know now, (laughs) she would, I would be like, cool. Done. Yeah, I'm good. Peace. (laughs) Bye. I'm going to the club tonight. Okay. Aiden, there's chicken nuggets in the freezer. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I know. I bought them at the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know, Rachel. Rachel. I went grocery shopping (laughs) for us at Trader Joe's. (laughs) Oh yeah, so then we have this scene where did we already get to the scene where they, where Beth sh- or the girlfriend shows up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really says something about Rachel that she's not willing to kill a random girl, that you know, by showing her this videotape. You know, she's she, yeah, she obviously takes this very seriously. I mean, she already fu- 
fucked up having Noah watch it, but I mean, you know, she's she's protective of other people. But this deadbeat dad over here, I'm yeah. just gonna show him the shape. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. I know. I do kind of wonder about their conversation when she gets all upset about, and then she like tells him to grow up. Yeah. He's like, what did he do that he needs to like grow up because because he won't believe that her she has a cursed VHS tape right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grow up, Noah. Yeah, grow up. Jesus I'm telling Christ. the truth. Yeah, you don't believe in the supernatural because I told you. <laughs> oh, so it's my fault now, right? That's why you won't raise your kid? Okay, got it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh my God. Um, all right. Well, why don't we uh, keep going? Yeah, let's move on to day three. Saturday, day three. Rachel visits Becca in the mental hospital. Rachel insists that she needs to know how Katie died. Becca says she will find out because she will show her. Rachel asks, who is she? Becca looks at Rachel's hand and says, four days. Bitch, that is not a helpful conversation. Call me now. (laughs) This is a wasted scene, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. Rachel goes to some kind of tech lab where she's able to stretch the images on the tape. One image in particular, a shot of crashing beach waves that is stretched to reveal a lighthouse. The tape begins to go haywire and becomes stuck on an image showing a fly. The fly appears to be moving, even with the tape on pause. Rachel reaches forward to touch the fly, and she is stunned to find she can pull it off the screen. Sunday, day four. Rachel researches the lighthouse and finds the location of the one from the tape, Moscow Island. Upon further research, she finds that a historical society helped restore the lighthouse. She notices that one of the women in the society is the woman in the video, Anna Morgan. Rachel discovers that Anna Morgan owned several horses, which began to show up dead, drowned in the ocean. She also finds that Anna suffered from hallucinations, was institutionalized, and eventually committed suicide. Monday, day five. Noah buys cigarettes from a convenience store worker and notices his face is warped in the store's security footage. Later, Rachel returns home and calls her sister to ask her to watch Aiden as she goes out of town. She drinks from a glass of water and suddenly begins to choke. She pulls out a wired electrode out of her throat and notices water trickling out of the phone's speaker. Feeling a sense that something is wrong, she rushes to Aiden's room and finds a young girl with long black hair sitting in the center of the room. The girl grabs Rachel and she suddenly has several visions of a hospital and medical tests. Suddenly, Rachel wakes up. It was a nightmare. However, the girl's handprints has caused a bruise on her arm. She rushes out of the room and finds Aiden watching the tape, but it's too late. He has watched it in its entirety. The phone rings and she hangs up. It rings a second time, but it is Noah confessing that he believes the tape's curse. So, okay, this Becca being psychic thing, like, (laughs) why does she look at her palms? Like, we were saying, once you know about the the videotape, right? And you kind of are in the ring of Samara's like mental capacity like you kind of get these psychic visions but then I was thinking Becca knew about the tape before Before. she knew Katie watched the tape right so maybe it's not about knowing about the tape but it must just be in the presence of either somebody affected by it or I'm telling you she had to be at least in that room maybe she was crying in the corner or something when Samara attacked Katie she had to be somewhere in in the general area in the vicinity. Yeah. She must have been sleeping on the bed. It was like a virus. Um, like she, she like got like secondhand virus from this. Yes, you're right. Because um, I'll tell I'll tell you later. Um 
it's in it, it'll come up oh. in the next section. But this scene with Becca is inspired by a scene in Ring You Two. But the one in that one is scarier because all of the mental patients start going haywire from like the oh psychic connection between Becca's, you know, Japanese counterpart version of her Masami and Sadako um, are the characters that, you know, so th- she starts to like tune into like Samara or, or Sadako in the Japanese version and the patients start to go crazy like in um, Halloween 2018 when oh my god oh yeah it's like that so I'm like they kind of wasted this because it's like we don't get much out of the scene except to see the effect that Katie's death had on her friend that was in the opening scene yeah it's like great exactly and we already knew she had four days left so that's no big surprise <laughs> yeah I was like, like I can okay, count so she knows <laughs> and they never directly explain why these characters have like some psychic ability so so it's kind of a waste of a of a scene yeah if you will it is so uh then she goes to this uh this <laughs> i don't know ancient tech lab where she's like i know i was like what is what this? is I this i don't even know how to put it write it out God, i was like without she goes to a tv room yeah where she's like <laughs> taking pictures that are printing out i'm like oh my god without the invention of like youtube or smartphones like you had to use these big ass machines to take a screen cap that's insane <laughs> <laughs> like i really want this image of my home video to be a picture yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go down to this i'm gonna go- video cassette world <laughs> yeah where the local lesbian will guide me to my tv and stand over my shoulder while i do this so what are we watching home videos <laughs> yeah i'm watching my personal yeah. porn tape yes. can you back the fuck back up, up. <laughs> And I'm going to print out the pictures and then sell them on the street. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I, I do really like this moment though, when she's like stretching the tape and the fucking, the fly is there. And then she knows that the fly is moving. Oh, oh. And then she picks it up out of the screen. Like, wow. Yes. Obviously this is serving us some foreshadowing for things yet to come. Yeah pulling things out of the tv i mean i feel like we were just talking about this were we <laughs> she has a nightmare later and then like oh i see yeah and, and then the yeah. nightmare her hand yeah is it seems like a little she has a bruise it's not a, I, maybe it's a reference maybe gore is a west craven fan maybe maybe <laughs> but i do like the fact that she gets this like bloody nose it, it, it does sort of feel like not only are they cursed but they it is kind of like a virus it's like a virus that spreads and so it's like she's kind of <laughs> kind of sick too right Yes, it is like a virus because remember I told you that there was a Korean version of Ringyu oh, called yeah. the Ring Virus. So in you know Ringyu, she's like a grown ass woman, and so in the book as well, the Samara's character is a grown ass woman. Oh, um, the original story in the book is a mess. Like in the book, Sadako is a grown woman who has this psychic photography ability. That's why I was going to bring it up later, but. Basically, she's intersex, and she has an affair with a doctor, and they both get smallpox, and the smallpox fuses with her rage and psychic powers after death, and it creates a virus. Whoa. Known as the ring virus, and that's what the curse is, because she has the psychic ability to put things on to tape or film or something, you know? And so when you watch this tape that came from her psychic rage it gives you a curse that you have to pass on because it's also infused with smallpox ew <laughs> i was like why is that a thing i'm like i'm <laughs> i'm glad that they 
simplified it. Yeah. Because that would have been a lot to explain. And she's intersex on top of it all. Yeah. Just because. Why not? Why not? Of course. Representation matters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So then we... So then we get to this montage of her, like, searching and researching and... You know, this is where it starts to feel dated. She is going above and beyond <laughs> to find this information. Right, exactly. She's rifling through enormous collections of papers and books. She's reaching to the <laughs> highest yeah, to the- shelves, standing on boxes. <laughs> what look like fucking books that would be in like an, a, again a witch's cottage some sort of like spell book full of newspaper <laughs> clippings I'm like are all leather bound yeah I was like what tea stains yeah just like filled with fucking dust she like drops it's all poof it's just like <laughs> I literally have written in my notes thank god for internet advancement yeah, seriously <laughs> good thing libraries don't exist anymore <laughs> We could have found out Anna Morgan's credit card number in a matter of seconds. I know. I could have subscribed to her OnlyFans at this point. <laughs> but, but this is where we start. It, I start realizing at this point, I was like, do you know what? This movie at this point feels more like a supernatural mystery than it does a horror film. Like at this point, like not, uh, not a lot of horror, yeah. like scary things have happened yet. There's a lot of ambiance. There's a lot of dread. There's a lot of build up to something's coming. Um, but yeah. at this point, it, it, like I feel like we're, yeah, it's more of a mystery at this point, which is great. I love that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think by the time we get to Anna Morgan and they start like giving us what they give us in this particular section, where it's like she owned horses yeah. and she was part of this historical society that repurposed did this, this lighthouse. Yeah. I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? Uh, it is, a, yeah. <laughs> it does feel like a little bit of a slow burn that we've got to this point, and now we're getting, we're finally getting backstory about this woman. Okay, we get the story of Anna Morgan, the forever horse girl. Yeah. Like you know. <laughs> yes, and in the same section is when we get that reveal that Noah is Aiden's dad. So to me, it's kind of like they beat around the bush a lot. Like we sure. could have gotten straight to the point and cut out maybe thirty minutes of this movie, and it would be the same movie, but. Mm a shorthanded version of it. Like we don't need these reveals and these drawn out, this drawn out backstory. Cause it almost seems like Anna Morgan's backstory is going to be like super convoluted and like, there's going to be a lot to it and there actually isn't much to it. Yeah. But I guess we're getting explanations for why these particular images are on this tape. Which is good. Yeah. And we learned but I'm yeah, like, who and who that woman is brushing her hair. Why she's important. Why is she committing <laughs> suicide in this video? Um, yeah, so Anna Morgan's presence is important, um, but yeah, it does feel like we're just like getting information, and that's it. You know, I kind of wish they just would have established this without slowly revealing layer by layer. Yeah, because now us as the audience, we're sort of having to navigate through two drawn-out storylines. Yeah, and we're like, well, what's the importance of this? and that and this and that and not until 20 years later that we're talking about it I'm like oh it's because the family dynamics are very similar yeah 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 yeah. got it got it yeah (laughs) now we're starting to get now that we've like finally established Anna Morgan's story now we can get into like some spooky things some spooky things are coming spooky shit and so the first one and this scene to me is real hard to watch the scene where she starts choking and miss naomi watts gives a performance in this like it gives a performance of a lifetime like wow she really swallowed that thing to pull it out yeah (laughs) seriously she she goes there choking gagging like it it takes uh, a while for her to get it out too so she you're watching her like strain and like 
I wanted like blood vessels to start oh popping in her face. Just like, I, they probably did. Like, just spit and uh, probably I don't know how she didn't vomit. And like, like, and at this point, you've you're watching the movie. You've seen the trailer. You watched it before, you know, and you know that Samara has long black hair. So when she's pulling this thing out, I was like, oh, she's like, hair. oh my god, a wad of her hair, and then she flips it out and it's like a full ass electrode and then you're like what i was like well <laughs> i mean it was like it, did it come from the phone did her phone because she's like hello like to her on the phone and the person's gone and then uh, water starts no, out i think phone. it's supposed to be a clue to the, the mental, backstory of samara the mental institution she was in the mental hospital yeah but it does sort of look like those things. That yeah, are in the phone. that's what I saw. Like a wire. That's that, what I thought it was. Now, was like, oh, it's from it, the phone. Because then, right after when she has the nightmare, she gets visions of Zamara being in the mental hospital. Oh. So I equated those two things. I see. She also finds like a bunch of them in the house later when she's like rifling through the box where the tape is. Yeah. And she pulls up a bunch of those electrodes. I just thought that maybe they took them out of the phones. <laughs> But uh, you're, you're. I think you're right. <laughs> like I said earlier, then we finally get Aiden, being the ever curious, curious little boy he is, just watching this tape that she has just left willy nilly out for her son to watch. Yeah. And based on how freaky he is, I'm sure this is his new favorite movie. Oh my god, he's like Rachel. <laughs> it's movie night, Tuesday, day six. Oh, wait, I want to say something right at the end about this last section. No, sorry, we moved on. Um, uh, Rachel, Rachel and Noah. No. <laughs> I just want to say, also, I noticed in this time when we're watching the tape, I always notice this, and I don't know if it's on purpose, but I think it might be, is you see the picture of the well at the end of the tape. And when Rachel watches it, it just like, you just see the well, and it's then it cuts to the static. But when Aiden watches it, you finally you see a hand and her starting to crawl up out of it. Yes, and I'm like, is yeah, that, is that like supposed to like signal us that she's like getting closer? It's like, bitch, I'm coming for that ass. Yes, yeah, I noticed that too. I don't think that's a mistake. That has to be on purpose. So great. Tuesday, day six. Rachel and Noah drop Aiden off with his aunt because she doesn't have enough that she's going through already. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel is going to investigate Moesco Island while Noah will visit the psychiatric hospital where Anna Morgan was institutionalized. On the ferry ride to the island, Rachel discovers Anna had a daughter who she believes is the girl from her nightmare. On the ferry, Rachel comes across a horse trailer. As she goes to pet the horse, it becomes disturbed and frightened and breaks out of the trailer. It hurls itself overboard into the ocean and the water turns red from the horse being torn apart in the ship's propellers. The scene reflects a similar image from the tape. Rachel finds her way to the Morgan Ranch where she meets Anna's husband, Richard Morgan, played by Brian Cox. She questions him about the drowned horses and he says they threw themselves into the water, seemingly having gone crazy. As Rachel roams the house, she finds several rooms from the video. She reveals the tape to Richard and he becomes alarmed. She then questions him about his daughter, but he claims he doesn't have one and quickly rushes her out of the house. Screw you! Screw you! (laughs) I always forget he's in this movie. Rachel realizes that Aiden has drawn the Morgan house before. She calls him and asks why he drew the house. He reveals that a little girl tells him what to draw. Rachel asks if she still lives in the house, but Aiden says she lives in a dark place. She is dead in hell. It's like, what is with all this? 
Can anybody just be straightforward, please? What's with all of... Can you just tell me what the fuck's going on? Jesus Christ. Rachel Rachel eventually visits the island's doctor, who was born and raised on the island. The doctor explains the Morgans tried to have a child, but eventually adopted a daughter, Samara, whose biological mother died giving birth. She explains Anna began suffering terrible hallucinations that she thought were prompted by Samara somehow. The doctor referred Anna and Samara to a psychiatric hospital, and ever since Samara left, the island has been better off. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Why does Samara and her mom look like they're from the 1800s? <laughs> literally, that's in my that's in my notes. I was like, why does she look like... I literally wrote, she looks like she's from the 1800s. What is this black dress that she's wearing? Like, this, yeah. takes, like, this is in the 70s. They look like Amish or something, but then they're like, oh, this is the seven. It was the 70s. Yeah. I mean, it explains like, Miss Samara's share do. I'm, you know, that, <laughs> right. That makes that sense. That makes sense. That makes now sense. It's, now it's becoming clear. <laughs> yes. But Miss Anna Morgan, I don't know what is up with that dress. Like, I'm telling you, she's a full on horse girl who loves, you know, those old stories of riding in the, uh, you know, side saddle. Like, yeah. It's weird. Like Lizzie Borden. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what are you, sleepy hollow bitch? <laughs> yeah. Heads will roll. <laughs> <laughs> Noah breaks into the record storage at the psychiatric hospital and pulls Anna's file. He also finds Samara's file, which includes several thermographic projection films of strange images and a note about a video session removed at Richard's request. When Noah goes to retrieve a copy of the video session, he finds that the VHS box containing the session is empty, having last been taken by Richard. Back at the Morgan house, Rachel breaks into the house and finds Samara's video session. In the video, Samara, played by DeVay Chase, is being questioned about how she makes the negative films. She says she doesn't. She sees the strange images in her head and they materialize. From this, we begin to gather that Samara had the supernatural ability to inadvertently burn images into the things around her, including films, the minds of the horses, and the minds of her parents, driving her mother to kill herself. That goes all without being said. Yeah, that is definitely something you have to like really think about to get to the, <laughs> to come to that conclusion. She also says she can't help but to hurt people, that she misses her mom and her dad wants her gone. Suddenly, Richard enters the room and hits Rachel over the head. Richard grabs the TV and takes it into the bathroom where he has overflowed the bathtub and hooked up several electrical devices. He plugs the TV into a power strip around his neck. He says he can't take Samara whispering in his ear anymore and seeing the images she puts in his head. He then gets into the bathtub and turns on the power strip around his neck. The electrical devices spark as he is violently electrocuted. First of all, I'm just going to say this. I hate this scene with the horse dying. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I it's love so it. Sad. It's so I sad. I do love it. I love it for its intensity, but it is a very sad scene. Yes. And it's beautifully shot. It is. And it... eight different horses played this character. <laughs> what? Oh my God. Eight. All stars. All of them. All stars. They were specifically trained for different parts of this sequence because he has kind of a long chase scene. And yeah. uh, the final jump was performed by a horse who did not land in the ocean, but on a soft cushion. Aww. So, for everybody who was worried. I was, I, was, I thought it was CGI, but I guess not. No, it was live action They said, we're in. really going to throw a horse over the side of a boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Into right. the raging waters of the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. But, I mean, I think it... Um, 
you know, it, do, it does create a sense of anxiety, um, as if getting close to the island is so disturbing to horses that they'd rather fucking die than make it to the island. Oh, I think it's because she's attached to Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. Right? So, like, I think Rachel is almost like, she can, she's like putting these images forward to other people through her vessels. <gasps> yeah. That's what it is! Oh my god! Katie's her vessel, Rachel's her vessel, and she can now, like, she's, like, attached to them, right? And so now she can project images from them to the people around them. That's why everybody's psychic! Oh my god, there we go! We fucking figured Hello. it out! Daddy, my horse! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this would be terrifying, though, if a horse like this got loose and was running wild like this while we're, you're stuck on a boat. That is scary, because horses are powerful beings. That is true. They're majestic beasts. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Richard has this really interesting line because she finds him. And apparently he's doing work on this ranch that looks broken down. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, But she's probing and he's not giving her much. But he has this interesting line before he kicks her out. And he says, what is it with reporters? You take one person's tragedy and force the world to experience it and spread it like a sickness. And that kind of changed the message of the movie for me because I took, I took it as being like the scare tactics of the media. Like you watch the news and it's mostly full of disturbing, tragic images and stories that drive people mad with depression and anxiety because it instills in us the sense of impending doom. And it serves as a reminder for our own immortality. Oh, absolutely. And also just her, the, the job of a journalist or reporter in itself is yeah. to spread information. Like if if Samara is going to attach herself to a, a catalyst that's going to do her, the most for you know of her bidding, like you know for her she, work, yeah, for her work, for her life's work, <laughs> for her um, art, yeah, <laughs> for for her, <laughs> for her <laughs> art, yeah. Um, I think attaching herself to this reporter is probably like a like fucking hitting the jackpot like the lottery for her because that mm-hmm. is what rachel's job is her job is to get the story out she's cooking up this story you know refusing to be fired because she's ready to tell the story of this videotape and so there is a really interesting parallel there to her her profession is to spread information while samara's motive is to spread you know her message and you know through mm-hmm. rachel so yeah i think that's really interesting that, that you brought that up and and the, just the implications of like yeah media and and um the the horror horrific information that spreads through them as well yeah yeah that's a good point i didn't think about that though we made this joke <laughs> while we were reading the synopsis about how this whole backstory of samara is goes without being said so you do kind of have to put the pieces together you are sort of doing the job rachel's job because she clearly she's enable um so (laughs) (laughs) this supernatural ability is a very real idea called thought thoughtography thought what'd you call me a thotty ass bitch (laughs) oh my god (laughs) or psychic photography thermography Thoughtography, thermography, or whatever. Thermography? Choreography. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Psychic photography, or also in Japanese, nensha, right? So it's like this concept that was written about in the 19th century. It's the ability to burn images from your mind onto surfaces. That's so so cool. Telekinesis, or, you know. Yeah. 
What's the one we pyrokinesis? Pyro, pyro, pyrokinesis. Tyra Banks nieces. Tyra Banksosis. Tyra Banksosis. Many people over time have claimed to have had this ability. That would be really cool. But what would you really do with it? <laughs> but uh, but it's a but it's one of those phenomena. Oh yeah, what would you do with it? Yeah, what is the what? What is the benefit of having this? Can you imagine? Like I have a superpower, and yeah. this is my superpower. Great. I mean, I Wonderful. guess you can make money. Yeah. Make yes. burn image art. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously. Um, people don't believe the ones that have claimed that they can actually do this. And I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is possible either, but it is an interesting concept and a sort of power that we haven't really seen very often. I mean, how many times have we seen a, a regular psychic or a telekinetic person or pyrokinetic mm-hmm. person? Like, I think this is like, I think this is a really cool power to have or like it evil, is, it is evil cool. power and to, to be used have it used evil. to be used for evil is really yeah. original and I really I thought that was really cool it took me so long to figure that out that that's what she was doing honestly I didn't figure it out until I watched it this time I don't think I fully realized it and I've seen this movie a million times I don't think I fully realized it until watching it this time it's not crazy yeah. what age and wisdom can do knowledge yeah the beauty yeah. of knowledge <laughs> also the ghost mostly in like the book and ring you is based on the same mythology as the grudge that um, a vengeful ghost seeking revenge after dying in the grip of a powerful rage. There's a certain a specific term for it. I don't have it written down anywhere, but oh, we yeah. talked about it in the, our grudge episode. This is based on that same concept, which is why they're so similar, even visually um, in the Japanese versions, which transferred over to the American versions. There's yeah. also a Japanese play from the 17th century about a servant woman named Okiku who is sought after as a bride for her samurai master, but she declines his advances. Okay, but later he claims she stole a plate from him, one of his fine chinas, and she says that he'll forgive her if she marries him, but she declines. So he punishes her by pushing her down a well. And Ooh, yeah. her ghost lives on, rifling through plates, searching for the lost one so that she could free her spirit. And in artwork of Okiku, she looks like Samara or Sadako yeah. in the thing. So Right, yeah. and, and I and I, I read that the reason like all these kind of ghosts look similar because in I guess in Japanese tradition, a lot of like the women had their hair up, but um when you die they let your hair down. It's long, ah. right? And then the traditional um, the gown that you're buried in is usually white uh, to signify your the the purity of your soul, and so that's why all these all these Japanese wow, these look the same. Yeah, yes, pretty much. Yeah, because it's it's a it's a reference to how they traditionally bury, or I, I don't know if they do anymore, but how they would traditionally bury women um, who have died. And I bet these American remakes have no idea. They're just like, this is how she looks in the uh, other yeah. One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Noah does some investigating of his own where he finds all these files and things like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't contribute much. Like, I don't think Noah finds out anything that we don't know Rachel already. couldn't have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He, it, it, I think to me, it's like, oh, okay, this is giving him 
you know something to do but yeah it, it turns <laughs> out that the, what the what she needs is on the island with her. Like, these are probably scenes that could have been cut out. Or maybe just have, have him go with her. I think this is sort of just a reflection of Aaron Kruger's writing, if mm. I'm being totally honest. Because mm. then we have this scene where Rachel goes back to the house after she finds out the information from Noah. And she, like, breaks in and starts watching tapes on his television. And I'm like, yeah. this is weird. I mean, I get it. And it all leads to a really scary thing. But I'm like, this is the weird concept that she's not even remotely nervous to be in there or is like trying to be quiet or hey, she like, is a she is a cutthroat uh, investigative reporter. OK, she like grabbed a bag of to. chips and took her shoes uh, off, laid on the couch, <laughs> watching the video. Like, 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, like bitch, we so know you're in when there. she got caught. <laughs> yeah. And he whacks her over the head. But like, why? What was <laughs> Because then she he just gets up and lets her watch him uh, just... Die. Yeah, which is really shocking. It is a really shocking scene. It's a shocking death, but yeah, why did he hit her? Yeah. Uh, bitch, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> One last... <laughs> Break a bottle over someone's head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Now I'm going to go rest. Yeah, and then she like witnesses this man, you know fucking electrocute himself i love her she's like you know what we don't have time to call the police and all that i have things to do so and i don't need to be mixed up in no you know no fucking bullshit police police investigation so let's just continue our little journey (laughs) i know that is another thing where i'm like this is a little weak or you know a little weak in between like i think it's a really strong movie but there are these little weak transitions like she just watched someone die and then noah finds her and instead of like sticking around like but yes, they're racing against the clock. They're racing so against time. I they understand. Don't have time. They don't. Have I time. understand. I understand. But but it is. Funny. I feel like this is very similar to things that happen, like in Scream Three or The Skeleton Key. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that has to be Aaron Kruger's writing because the one thing that all three of these movies have in common is their writer. So yeah. it has to be that. Yeah. Um, and we get so we get a little bit more about um, Samara. You know, in this section, we kind of learned that she kind of is just predisposed to want to hurt people. <laughs> She's just a sick bitch with a supernatural talent. We What we do learn from Noah's, Noah's finding is that the Morgans had been trying to have a baby. And like she, mm. she was miscarrying and she was miscarrying and miscarrying. It just yeah. wasn't happening. And so then they adopted. And I'm like, they just happened to adopt the fucking baby of Satan or something. Honestly, this is a warning. Dogs only. I don't want to fucking accidentally adopt a fucking Samara. I know. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Poor Anna Morgan. All she wanted was a child. And this is the one that comes in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a question Mm -hmm. (laughs) for you. I want you to explain this to me. If... Okay, the ring was give was the name given to the, the original story because of the cycle that goes tape to tape, person to person. It all goes into, you know, a cyclical okay. nature. And this one, they sort of explain that the ring... She, she has this line where she goes, before you die... Before you die, you see, you the, see ring. the ring. And we're I'm talking like, about the ring of light around the well lid once yeah. we get to it. And I'm like, is that stronger than the ring being about the cyclical nature of this videotape? I mean, I think it's probably a double meaning. I'm sure it means the same. I'm sure the meaning is the same, but I feel like maybe they gave it a little more of a literal (laughs) 
uh, visual cue for people to also associate like it no with. No one's going to know why this movie's called The Ring. Yeah, but <laughs> why? before you die, you see The Ring? I guess is that because that's the last thing she saw? Like, is that true? But what is the significance of that line? Yeah. <laughs> So then they like go into this barn, right? And this barn is actually kind of cute. Like I'd be down to sleep in there. That little I like, know. I was like loft um, area. Awesome room, bitch. Why are you mad? Yeah, I know. And you can just you know squat over the ledge and do your business because there's no bathroom up there. And that la- that ladder is too long, you know, to yeah. be going up and down. So what will fall first, the rock or my shit? <laughs> 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 Oh my god. The clue of all clues when they rip off that wallpaper and find the tree, the red tree. And and also what does the the property with the cabins on it where the Japanese maple is, where the well is, yeah, how what? is that connected to the Morgans and their ranch? I mean I know, I don't know. Like it was Why it- that well? Why that well? How did There's they no get well to... There's no well on the ranch property? Yeah, like, just she... I mean, she obviously took her out there to kill her, right? So maybe she wouldn't be found, so she took her out to that Shady Pines or whatever it's called. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. killed her there, maybe to... So nobody would find her on the island? Is that why? It's just maybe it's a random spot? I have no idea. It's so specific, yet they don't ever really... I mean, they've explained so much to us already. Like, why not just add one more thing? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Where are yeah. they? All right. Should we should we get to this next part? Let's finish it off. Oh, this is the end. Noah, Noah finds, finds Rachel, Rachel at the Morgan, Morgan house, and they, they find, find that, that Richard has forced Samar to live in the barn's attic amongst the horses. Behind the attic's wallpaper, they discover a burned image of the tree recognizable from the videotape, and Rachel remembers seeing it near the cabin. Rachel and Noah depart the Morgan farm and arrive at the cabin. They find the floor is warped from water damage and break the floor open to discover a well underneath. Suddenly, the cabin's TV falls and knocks Rachel to the bottom of the well. As Noah goes to find something to rescue her, the well closes itself shut. Rachel finds Samara's body and sees a vision of Samara standing by the well. Anna attempts to smother Samara with a plastic bag in order to end the madness created by her ability, and she lets her body fall into the well afterward. Samara's eyes open as she sinks into the water and she watches as her mother closes the well, which casts one final ring of light before becoming darkness. A horrified Rachel realizes that Samara was still alive. Rachel is eventually rescued and Samara's body is recovered and is planned to have a proper burial, putting her spirit to rest. Noah asks her how long you could survive trapped in a well, and Rachel guesses that you could survive seven days. At this point, it seems that everything is going well again, and Rachel informs Aiden that they will no longer be troubled by Samara. However, Aiden quickly corrects her and says Samara never sleeps, and now her spirit has been released. Rachel tries to warn Noah, but when he doesn't answer her calls, she races over to his apartment. At his apartment, Noah's TV turns on to static, and suddenly an image of the well appears on the screen. Samara crawls out of the well and slowly walks towards the screen. Noah quickly backs away as Samara crawls out of the television. Noah falls over and becomes frozen in fear by Samara staring at him, causing his inevitable death. Rachel makes it to his apartment and finds his dead body, his face horribly distorted, stuck with a look of fear. Rachel rushes home and destroys the tape in hysterics, unable to understand why she was spared, but Noah was killed. She quickly realizes that the only way to escape Samara after watching the video is to make a copy of the tape and show it to someone else. 
thus continuing the cycle. Rachel then takes Aiden to make a copy of the tape, as she realizes Samara's reign of terror will continue forever. The end. Yes, I love when a movie doesn't give us a happy ending. Oh yeah, and that's what Gore Verbinski wanted. Like he straight up said, he's like, I don't want resolution. (laughs) He's like, I don't want people to feel like there was a pretty bow sort of tied up on this. He's like, I want, I don't want that. He's like, yeah, and we, I like I we freed her spirit so her soul can rest in peace now. Like, nah, you unleashed her spirit. Now she can crawl out of TVs. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. But I also am wondering if this cabin would have actually been built on top of this well. But I know from this. the from the 70s to 2002. <laughs> yeah, that was like what a couple years. Yeah, the del- <laughs> this dilapidated cabin is now on top of it. <laughs> this witch's cottage yeah, yeah this no. witch's cottage yeah no 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 then they they get this like kind of funny moment I think this is a funny moment when she knocks over the marbles and it turns into an arrow <laughs> does it turn into an arrow does it no that, it doesn't it looks like an arrow to me I'm like really I think they just sort of fall into place where the well is. It looks like an arrow to me. <laughs> that looks like an arrow pointing to where they need to go. That's literally what it looks like to me every time. I'm like, not an arrow. <laughs> and then the fucking Scary Movie 3 does this part when they when all the marbles go, but then all of a sudden all these like fruits and watermelons start going <laughs> rolling on it too. And they find the fucking well. <laughs> and then I really love this moment because now time is up for Rachel, right? Yeah, and it's do or die. Yes, and then like the water starts coming out and then I love that shot where the screws start like raising out of the floorboards. Yeah. Ooh, that is some spooky shit. And then she ends up at the bottom of the well where she finds, we kind of have this moment where, you know, she realizes what happened. Anna Morgan killed Samara and she sees her as a little girl in her arms and then she just peels away to a skeleton. Ew! I was like, that is so disgusting. It was kind of a cool effect. I mean, now it looks a little aged, but yeah, it, it looks cool. It, it's a great idea. This conversation they have, like, after Rachel's, like, pulled out is also interesting. Because she's like, why would she do that to her? All she wanted was a child. But I'm like, again, I'm like, this child was nuts. All she wanted to do was hurt people. Lilo was, wants to cause pain. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Samantha Darko. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Yeah. So I'm like, why do you feel bad for her, Rachel? But then this is kind of exciting. We get a false ending. Yes. Which uh, to me, this is the ending. But I always forget that there's like more to right. it. The actual like iconic scene of this movie that everybody talks about hasn't even happened yet. We finally get that moment we've been waiting for. Samara, we see what happens and uh, what happens seems to look like it's uh, going a little slower than it did with Katie, but... Well, I think that this that's the difference, is that while when Katie died, she could only kill her by shocking her with all of the images at once and, like, stopping her heart. But here, now that she's out of the well, freed, she can actually come out of the TV. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, okay, that makes sense. She don't need no images. She's like, I can use... Watch this. <laughs> yeah. She's and, a trickster yeah. because even even like with the this false ending of like they, they released her spirit, it's all over, she's gonna be properly buried. It's like they all thought this was like a cry for help, but really it was a trick. Yeah. Like she's more now powerful in death, it seems. 
Yeah, she's like, haha, gotcha so good. Like, I'm still the hateful little bitch I've always been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a water demon, bitch. Oh, that's that's what I was going to say. In one of the renditions of this movie, I don't know if it's in the original novel or something, but they hint that Samara's dad is an ocean demon. Oh my god, that sounds, there's so much going on. There's too much going on, honestly. A water but, demon? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Noah's death scene is the highlight of this movie. As oh, great so as the good. entire story is, this scene has to stand out. It's obviously the most visually exciting. And seeing Samara as a ghost, but still having that television glow and static yeah. to her. And the is static is awesome. so cool. Yeah, I was like, that's brilliant. You guys that was smart. Yeah, that she's still part of the television, <laughs> you know? She's yes. still part of that staticky world. And I love that moment where she like pops forward and scares him into yes. falling over the, the glass shelves. That is a great moment. It's so good. That close-up of her face, maybe I could have done without, but I, I still, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's I think good. they just were trying to one-up ring you because they had that terrifying image of the eye right. coming through yeah. the hair, but this, it, I think that's scarier than, than this one, but this ambiguous ending is great with Rachel realizing, oh, it's because I made a copy of the tape and now I'm going to make Aiden take the... And they kind of have this conversation of like, who are we going to show it to? And it's ambiguous, but in the original, there yeah. were the, the bookends where Chris Cooper was in the movie and he plays um, a man that's like a murderer or a pedophile. And yeah. um, he goes to Rachel to help clear his name, you know, because she's a journalist. And she refuses. And in the end, she reaches out to him to like, you know pretending she's catching him a break but really it's to show him the videotape but test audiences did not care for the bookends because they were like what the fuck like he he, he's like a recognizable name first of all face and then like he's in the movie only literally in the first five minutes and the last five minutes no wasn't yeah and and also i feel like that would make would that make rachel a little less likable that she's willing i mean i guess she he is like they do justify it by making him like a, you know, a despicable character. A pedophile. Well, in Ring You, Rachel's counterpart, Reiko, gives the tape to her elderly father because oh, he's about a- to die anyway. And so oh. it's like, <laughs> there was also this alternate ending in which Rachel leaves the tape at a video store, but the filmmakers, yes, Gore Verbinski thought the audience would be less sympathetic toward her if yeah. she did something like that. I mean, yeah, they should. I'm glad they left it where they did. Like, we don't but need to see. But it's also like, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? I mean, you kill have or be to. killed. You have Isn't to. That, yeah. yeah. Who do you give it to? I mean, I guess, I guess if you're gonna give it to anybody, give it to somebody who fucking deserves it. Yeah. And leaving it ambiguous did, you know, leave the potential for a really awesome sequel, which we never got. <laughs> but um, it's not that we didn't get a sequel. We just didn't get an awesome sequel. <laughs> we just didn't get a good one, right? Exactly. So yes. tune in next week when we talk about the ring Two. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> there's no happy ending. There's no there's real three endings, but there's no actual ending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because there's just like the ring. There's no, there's no break in the there's cycle. No, no circles don't have edges. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You heard it here first folks. <laughs> <laughs> circles do not have edges all right so final thoughts final thoughts okay this is a great horror movie i think it's well made 
the universe they created in this in this movie in particular works so well the atmosphere the directing the performances makes you feel the dread of the story and when we get to it i love that it really has no happy ending or resolution because that's real life and that's yeah. kind of what this movie is referring to anyway I'm just going to say this, given that it's more story than action, I think the runtime is a little long. And my issues with it are in those peeling back the layers slowly. It's like, let's cut to the chase because we're not, we're, we're so story driven in this that it kind of slows everything down. Maybe a few more scenes could have gone in editing, but it's honestly, it's great as it is. What I truly love is the fact that it's so specific as far as the villain and her abilities. Yeah. Yet its meaning can it can mean so many things. It's really ambiguous the actual meaning what this represents. Then when we actually get to the story that we need, it goes without saying and it's like ugh, okay, whatever. But like <laughs> I said, it's fine the way it is. Um, but yes, like I said, it could be about mental illness, the dangers of media, the scary advances of technology. This movie can mean so many things, different things to different people. And it's all a matter of what you're projecting onto the film, much like how our villain projects images into film oh and into my our minds. So Brilliant. in that way, it works on so many different levels and it is truly scary. So yeah. I'm going to give this a four out of five. Nice. So, I mean, you literally hit every single point that we made. Yeah, I, th- I think this movie has it has so, has so much style. I mean, it's so like it's so consistent with its style, and you know the dread and the ambiance is just like just perfectly done um, for this kind of story. It, it, it's it's I, I this is almost like a movie you can watch with your with your parents who don't like horror films because there is so much story. It feels mature. It feels like mature, like, like mm, a drama. It almost feel, sure. It feels like a drama. It feels like it could belong to this new wave of elevated horror, you know, prestige horror. Totally. And, and I think it still stands the test of time, even though I did talk about earlier how it, it is a little dated as far as technology goes. Like any movie that has technology in it is eventually going to become dated. But I think the overall themes of this movie, how they are applicable to today's world, I think that it still stands the test of time. Um, so agreeing with everything you said, plus that little bit, to me, this movie is a five out of five. I think it's a cla- it's a oh. classic. It is a classic. It you is know, a classic. A little, it is a little heavy on the storytelling, but honestly, I think this movie, it, you know, changed, changed the game of horror for a while. And that there's something to be said about that. Yes. Woo! We are done. That was the ring, everybody. Yes. Okay, so next week we are changing it up. We are Ugh. moving away from horror for one week to do an iconic film. <laughs> what are we doing? We are doing Clueless. This is our return to our little uh, escape from our usual with Here the Talking Queers. Here the Talking Queers is where we get to talk about movies other than horror because there's so many out there that we love. Once we started this whole show, we were like, there are so many movies that aren't horror that we also want to do. How are we going to do that? How do we integrate the two? And And the one movie that we've always wanted to do and when we talk about it every single time, we're like, okay, what non-horror movie would we ever do? This is the first movie that always comes out of our mouth. 
And so Clueless is is going to be it. And so I'm Clueless. so excited to do it. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to do Clueless. I'm going to watch it all week. I'm cavelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so bye. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed all of our Valentine's Day um Ah! social media posts if you go to our instagram at fear the talking queers you'll find all the the fun little things that we did i know at this point valentine's day will be over but i thank you for being so responsive and we've gotten such amazing feedback about it all the times you guys shared them to your stories we saw as many as them as we could um and thanks for yes thank you for sharing that really helps yeah Absolutely. We're very grateful for all of our listeners and all of our Instagram followers. Uh, you mean a lot to us. And I have Can't to give credit where credit is due because those were some popular posts. Those clever little <laughs> poems <laughs> on those Valentine's Day cards are written by Jake. <laughs> and some of them, I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but some of them were literally just, he's like, give me one for this movie. And I was like, boom and i just like I, I just have a natural talent i think i was meant to write hallmark cards i think you were meant to write poetry honestly you're a poet, <laughs> I'm a I, poet I literally I didn't know it i texted jake and i said i want to make valentine's day cards and i'm not but i'm not witty like i can't make things rhyme and flow so you do it and then he would like send me poems and i'm like <laughs> perfect little haikus i'm like all I, all I did was put a picture on it and it was a very popular post but it was all thanks to your quick wit oh my gosh thank you no yeah i those were so much fun to make and i hope everybody enjoyed them and i hope you all had a lovely valentine's day yep i see what you did there see what i did there all right well everybody we'll see you next week for hear the talking queers And uh, sweet screams, bitch. Bye.